Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Getting ready to represent Christ to your world today. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. second hour this morning of Mornings with Carmen. We've got a great hour ahead. Dr. Peter Kapsner and I are going to survey some of the cultural headlines of the day. And then singer-songwriter Laura Story is going to join me. Uh, you know her as a musician. You probably know part of her story. She now has a book called So Long Normal, and we're going to talk with her um, about you know what it means in our own life to just get to the place where we recognize that normal is not at all what God is calling us to. But let me lead off with this. I think we have a basic morality challenge now facing us as a nation. So here's some basic morality 101. I mean, this is super basic. Do not lie, do not cheat, and do not steal. Let's just start with some basic morality 101. Do not lie, do not cheat, do not steal. Uh, another another way to frame that would be, you know, tell the truth, um, do your own work, and um, manage your own stuff. Yeah. There's probably a, a sharing thing in there that we could advocate in a positive way. But do not lie, do not cheat, do not steal. What happens when parents and then schools and then communities fail to teach what I will describe here as basic morality 101. When we fail to teach these basics to our children, we arrive at a place where you could go online and watch the video right now if you wanted to. This group of women walked into a CVS um, with very large uh, bags, the kinds of bags that you could put like six beach towels in and take to the beach, like big bag, big woven and canvas bags, very large. Each of them have two bags that I'm looking at on the video right now. They go into a CVS and they just simply fill those bags up completely, stuffed those bags full of items at a CVS in San Francisco, and then they walked out. It happened at the uh, corner of Van Ness Avenue and Jackson Street at 5 p.m. on Monday in uh, San Francisco. Nobody stopped them. Um, and they're not even really running. They're not, uh, this is not like um, even much of a effort being made here to curtail this behavior. Um, and so what happens in a culture when we arrive at the place where parents and then communities and then, let's say, in this case, the state of California, is not teaching the most basic morality to our children? Um So we have talked in the past about the challenge that families in urban communities or urban centers have faced in the past. Um, We've used the term food deserts. I think that what we're going to rapidly see on the rise are retail deserts. I mean, if you were a retailer, why would you consider operating in one of these environments where people are um, not prohibited by any sort of moral code um, from just stealing your stuff? 
Now, if you have been to a third world country, you actually know how this works in those places. There are um, there are bars all the way across the front of the store and you go up to um, the window and you give them the list of things that you want and they go gather that list of things and they bring them forward. And after you pay, they hand them to you. You don't get to touch the stuff until you've already paid for it. And so, you know, I, either retail uh, stores are going to abandon these these commercial centers altogether, or we are going to see our commercial centers looking more and more like commercial centers look in third world countries where there are bars across the front and you don't get to touch the stuff until you pay for it. Uh, this is the devolution of moral social code, and it's happening right in front of us. Um, and so if you have not recently read the book of Judges, that's where in the word I would encourage you to go today and then pray with me for revival, a real spiritual awakening in America today, because we have definitely reached the point of God help us. God help us indeed. Dr. Peter Kapsner joins me next. We like to call this segment 50 Shades of Truth because, well, frankly, there are so many shades of gray and untruth out there. Peter, welcome back. Thanks so much, Carmen. I at least have to ask from your vacation last week, when when you emerged out of the wilderness completely off the grid, <laughs> did, did you have any John the Baptist in you at all? Like, did you sympathize with that even in the least? <laughs> okay, so there, there are a surprising number of um, crickets and grasshoppers uh, in the Colorado <laughs> wilderness this time of year. But um, I was well prepared. And, you know, although you might want to give up carrying your own food because 27 miles with a 25-pound pack, I mean, I know that the military people listening are, like, rolling their eyes right now because it doesn't sound like a lot. But for me, carrying your pack for, you know, for four days um, of 25 pounds is a lot. And so um, especially because you don't just climb the the 12,000 feet once. I mean, you don't climb right. all 12,000 feet. Like you fly, you fly in and then, but so you're, you're at like 9,000 feet when you start. You don't just ascend to the 12.3 or 12.4 one time. It's a four pass loop. And here's the math of a four pass loop, Peter, in case you were wondering. After you, after you climb up to the first one, guess what's between the first one and the second one? Oh, a valley. I, I... Oh, a so valley. You go down and up again. You yes, and so by the second one of these, after we ascended the second one and went through that pass, and we're going down again, I look at Jim and I'm like, um, "Okay, it has now occurred to me that every step we take down, <clears throat> we have to take back up." <laughs> Great. And yeah, so I will say that like you're, it's a loop, so it's not like you can quit. Because right. it's a it's a loop. A I mean, distance. yeah, you you that, you're not getting closer to the vehicle again. No, you're getting further, that, so you cannot give that, it up. That's exactly right. You cannot give up. And so there might have been some crying. I'll just say, it, 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 yeah. I have done the four pass loop um, at Maroon Bells, and I don't ever need to do that again. 
that I believe I can't 25 pounds from my car to the kitchen is enough to put me on the sofa for quite a while. So I can't even imagine what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. Um, let's talk about Alice in Wonderland and going down the rabbit hole. You and I have both read this article. We followed Alice down the rabbit hole. Something nasty has happened to children's storytelling in the years since Disney's fantasy. What's going on here? Yeah, there's probably a lot of different angles we could cover with this. I think maybe the one that was most intriguing and certainly most relevant with what uh, I think is, is the situation of our times is that Alice in Wonderland was a bit disturbing sort of to begin with, right? I mean, it's it's this incredible tale, but uh, uh, but the Queen of Hearts, I mean, that was the, the scary stuff. It, it really was sort of oh, a representation of uh, maybe a, a psychedelic, mushroom-laden, kind of drug-induced uh, hallucination gone bad in some, in some different ways people might describe it. And, and yet there are some amazing things that happened in Alice in Wonderland too. But the interesting thing about it is that if you were to watch that again in the 1950s when it came out, but even the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, 90s, 2000, you would assume that this was a diversion from reality. And so you could step away from it, even if it was disturbing, and return then to reality and, and with the belief that there was what is described as objective reality or something that is true outside of yourself. And so that's why so many of these diversions with Disney or, or the show Alice in Wonderland in particular, could be interesting because you could step into something entirely different, but then step back to reality. And I think what's happening today, and this is what really caught me in the article, is we have this phrase representative of sort of the, the spirit of the age, which is your truth. You need to live your truth. And, and when you have that, you're no longer appealing to any kind of je- uh, objective reality. So you, you don't have a diversion into anything to which you can return. You're living in, in only what you believe tr- to be true about the world, and so there's no respite from it. If your world gets really crazy and really weird, and, and if the Queen of Hearts metaphorically in some awful way appears in your world of your truth, there isn't any escape. You don't get to return to objective reality, and that's really different than uh, how we would have understand uh, understood our lives before where at least as believers right we believe in the objective reality of the kingdom of god in which jesus reigns and there are ways of life in that kingdom that we can attend to and grow in and live by that are outside of ourselves and so when we attend to something bigger and different and outside of ourselves like that it does bring the peace love joy those kinds of of characteristics described into our lives boy i can't imagine if you're stuck sort of with the cheshire cat or some other just disturbing part of reality when you think it's only your truth so the point of all of that is i can verify with my young people that they really are are have been deeply impacted by the idea of live out your truth you do you all of that and so there's no real reality that is outside of ourselves to which we can return it's only ourselves and if you're living in a pretty rough spot you kind of feel hemmed in and no escape. There's no way out of the rabbit hole at that point. And I think that explains quite a bit of the depression and anxiety we see. So this book was written in 1865. The movie was made in 1951. In 2021, like we better, there are some people in the culture who better understand the reality that's down the rabbit hole than would understand the reality of 1965 or 1951. And and so I think that there are conversations for us to have, particularly when we're trying to understand people who are approaching the conversations of the day from what to us seems completely upside down and inside out. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I, agreed. I, I, I think I, I think we underestimate the input that people where they're getting it from. I we I was just talking mm-hmm. with some friends the other night, and uh, and I don't know that we fully have understood how deeply something like the internet has has impacted our lives because it's really, really difficult to distinguish voices of credibility to which we should attend and voices that have either just gone viral or are interesting or entertaining. You go down the rabbit hole of TikTok and the article talked about that a little bit. You can find yourself in some really strange and odd kinds of videos. I mean, TikTok to me is odd anyway in general, but you can you can go to find some pretty crazy things and now you're deeply in this rabbit hole, but those rabbit holes impact us. They impact the way we think, they impact the way we see the world. And, and when you have so much information at your fingertips like this, if we don't do the hard work of distinguishing, ah, maybe we should pay attention to that because it's credible versus we probably should, that might've been entertaining or interesting, but that's not something to pay attention to. I think we're all, I don't think that's just a young person thing, Carmen. I don't know how, what you think about it. I think it's all of us right now trying to figure out what's credible and reliable that is a reality outside of ourselves to which we can attend. Yeah, and the other challenge that I think that we face, and this is for disciples of every age and generation, you know, how, as I'm living in a culture that has gone down the rabbit hole, how do I keep my bearings? And yes. so, um, you know, how do I keep contract, contact with the one who is the way and the truth and the life? How do I keep up from down and down from up and, you know, inside out and all of that? All right, we got to take a very brief break. I'm talking with Dr. Peter Kapsner. We're going to continue our conversation in just a moment. I am a Continue my conversation with Dr. Peter Kapsner, who will henceforth be known as Peter Down the Rabbit Hole Kapsner. Mm-hmm. We could just shorten that yeah. to Peter Rabbit, can we? Because it's you know that no. that was certainly on the playground. That's a different I, I story. Still, uh, I still have some trauma that from that though from from my playground. Maybe you can help me through that. <laughs> All right. Um, yes to Dean and Carolyn. Yes, Maroon Bells, Aspen, Colorado, and yes, we are now. Uh, in the 14er. Yep, we are now Colorado 14ers. For those people listening who know what that is. So you actually, you, know? you got initiated into a group. Did you even know about this group? That's really exciting. I'm in a group. I'm getting, I'm getting t- a t-shirt. I, <laughs> I know it's a, it's a thing. I, it's not even a group I ever aspired to be in and now I'm in it. So there you go. This, everybody listening right now never aspired to be in the carmination and yet they've been carminated. And so here they are. So there you, you know, and we, <laughs> And we have no hats or T-shirts, but maybe you could get working on that. Okay. So, Peter, do you want to talk about Mary, the mother of Jesus, or do you want to talk about the Greek-influenced Olympics meeting the pagan heritage of Japan? Man, I think that's tough. I think we could flip a coin on that one. Maybe the Olympics, just because it seems right. to be what's, you know, it's going to end here in a week Because or so, we can so. always circle back around to Mary. Like, we she's totally not can. going anywhere. Totally okay. So, um, so here's what you and I have both read at Religion News Service. In Japan, Greek-influenced Olympics meet another kind of pagan heritage. Greek pagan pageantry encounters a culture with its own deep sense of myth and magic. Man, there's a lot right there. Paganism, myth, magic. Yeah. Un- unpack yeah. a little of this for us. There is a lot there, and I, I had to sort of circle back into my my um, world religion program when I was doing that at the University of Edinburgh to remember that how deeply influenced Japan has been by the religion of Shinto, and and Shinto is a pretty obscure religion compared to some of the major world religious patterns like Buddhism or Hinduism, Islam, you know, Judaism, Christianity. 
Uh, it's obscure to that part of the world, and it doesn't really have an origin. It doesn't really have a founder. It doesn't really have a sacred text of any kind. But that doesn't mean it hasn't been deeply ingrained in the people of Japan and, and their entire understanding of the world. And I think what's interesting about it, when Shinto is intersecting now with the origin of the Olympics, that being in Greece, is that when you look at the history of Greek culture, it very much is a culture based on how we how we think about things. It's a culture of ideas. It's a culture of um, philosophy. And, and that's not a bad thing at all. It just is a really deep culture of that. But it's more in the abstract world and, um, of concepts. Shintoism, by comparison, in Japan is bleeding into their everyday life because it, it is a, it's a, a religion that literally means the way or the way of kami, the way of the gods. And Japanese people... Um, believe in something called animism, meaning that they see God animated in the world around them, in the trees and in the rivers and in beauty. Uh, sometimes they might see it in a unique or very special individual, but they see these gods everywhere. And there's a way of life because they believe that they're in relationship to these gods of the forest and the gods of the waters and all the different gods around them. There's a way of life that they uh, subscribe to because they believe that they're actually in relationship with these gods. And I think right there is the contrast. It's just interesting, Carmen, when you see this sort of Greek culture meet Shintoism, is that I think we can actually make some interesting parallels with Christianity, because Christianity historically has had sort of this internal um, struggle between the ideas of our faith and the fact that we're actually in relationship with a very real god of our faith. And if, if we tip too far into, hey, we're in relationship with God, like the people of Shinto would believe they're in relationship with the gods of their world. If you tip too far, you may get some pretty crazy ideas about who God is. You may, may make some pretty crazy claims about what your relationship with God is like. But if you tip too far into the realm of ideas about God, you might end up living this sort of hollowed out faith that is more abstract. It doesn't actually impact your your daily life together, anything like that. And, and so I think there's a conversation to be had there in which we uh, invite ourselves to wonder about how important are the ideas in which we live about God and Christianity, and how important is the actual experience of life with a very real God in whom we live and move and have our being. I just I find that whole thing fascinating. We just certainly see a clash of cultures in the Olympics right now between people who are living a way of life and people who would have lived historically uh, more related to the ideas about life. So Lori is uh, joining us in this conversation via the text line, and she says um, uh, that she you know, has seen homes in which people have pictures of their dead ancestors, and then there is an altar underneath, um, and they clap their hands before the altar to wake up their gods in order that they yep. can pray to them. Um, and it, um, there's a lot for us to consider. There's a lot to learn about what other people believe in order that we might be uh, people who are able to introduce the truth of the gospel um, and it's and God's saving grace into the midst of all of that. Peter, you and I have to leave this conversation right here, but um, I think this is one worth circling back to. Yeah, I do too. I think, uh, and I, if I could just recommend, I know that you have had Michael Heiser on the program before. Yeah. Uh, I have had him on as well. He does a great job of identifying the sort of the gods of the spiritual realm and whom God Most High is in relationship, meaning he's God sovereign over all of them. So I do think there's a lot to attend to here that I don't know if the gods of Shintoism are real, right? But um, but there's something to attend to there. Amen. Dr. Peter Kapsner, thanks so much. Friends, we'll be right back. we got to take a break for Breakpoint. 
All right, two quick reminders. Number one, go to MyFaithRadio.com and check out the live stream that Susie Larson is hosting tonight. You could also just text the word EVENT to 877-933-2484. And right now you can text the word BOOK to that same number, 877-933-2484. We have copies of Laura Stories, So Long Normal, to give away that conversation up next. This is Max Licato. God repeatedly pledges his presence to his people. To Abram, God said, do not be afraid. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. God told Joshua, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. In the ultimate declaration of communion, God called himself Emmanuel, which means God with us. He became flesh. He became sin. He defeated the grave. He is still with us. In the form of His Spirit, He comforts, teaches, and convicts. Don't assume God is watching from a distance. Isolation creates a downward cycle of fret. Choose instead to be the person who clutches the presence of God with both hands. We can calmly take our concerns to God because He is as near as our next breath. And because the Lord is near, we can be anxious for nothing. Really excited to have Laura Story joining us today. You certainly know her as a singer-songwriter. She is also an author. We're going to talk today about her brand new book, So Long Normal, Living and Loving the Free Fall of Faith. Laura, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Uh, thank you guys so much for having me. appreciate All right, you guys. So, oh, uh, well, it's fun to, uh, to have you to talk about the book. I also know that you have just released a brand new single along with the release of the book. So let's actually start with that. For folks who may have not heard of it yet, tell them about Hello Unknown. Yes, and it's kind of all in the same vein. It's, you know, how do we embrace this new unknown uh, normal, this new chapter of life that we don't quite know what's going to happen. And we, we feel like we have less stability than ever. But how do we approach it without anxiety, but really with confidence, believing that God in every season is at work doing something good? Yeah, I like the approach that you take in the book. I mean, it's uh, the future is only uncertain if I'm not in a certain relationship with a certain God. And so because oh, I'm in so this, true. because I'm in this stable relationship with this ultimately stable God, my future is not uncertain. Yeah. Well, when you think about everything we've gone through, pandemic or even politically, socially, all of it, it has just kind of rocked our world. I don't think that's an, under, an overstatement to say it, it's rocked our world, but we as believers, we don't have to be shaken, even when our circumstances are shaking. And that's one of the key teachings of the scriptures, uh, because in a lot of ways, even though there's been so many new things and so many changes, uh, you know, as the writer of Ecclesiastes says, there truly is nothing new under the sun. Like, this is not the first time our world and our nation have has gone through something shaking us. And the scriptures talk about how we can be an unshakable people because we have an unshakable God. That's exactly right. So one of the things that people may not know about you is that you are Dr. Laura Story. 
Oh, gracious. <laughs> I guess so. I, I can't, like, prescribe any medicine or help you with any health issues there. No, but I do think that the fact that you have pursued study in the area of your passion, that you have a doctorate in worship studies, I think the fact that you lead worship in a real church in the context of a real community, I think the fact that you're a real mom driving around in a minivan, I think that actually helps people sort of get that you're you're not living somehow apart from the realities that the rest of us are struggling with all the time. You are living in the midst of a normal that is really unusual. And I think that's the invitation of So Long Normal. What does it look like to live with sort of the great expectation that the next thing with Jesus is going to be great, even if it's not normal? Yeah, it's a great, Sally, that's a great question. So part of our um, abnormal circumstances is uh, within the first two years of my marriage to my husband, Martin, he was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And lives to this day with a pretty substantial brain injury. And so if you were to meet him, you'd think, oh, seems like a pretty normal guy. But he has some limitations with his vision and with his memory that have affected his ability. He's unable to drive, unable to work full time. And for a long time, and I'm, I'm, I'm going pretty deep here, so I hope that's okay. For a long time, we thought, man, maybe kids, that just isn't the thing for us because we knew that our lives were just going to look so different. And I feel like finally when we kind of started to sense this green light and, and went ahead and ended up having four kids, so we have an eight, six, six, and three, the truth is we had to be okay with our lives not looking normal. Like keeping up with the Joneses, that like wasn't even an option for us. We're so far behind whoever the Joneses are. We're pretty <laughs> far behind them. <laughs> but coming to a place of saying you know, if I believe that God is the one writing the story, and if I believe that his presence, his word, and his community truly are all the things that I need in life, I can still be stable, even though every new chapter is kind of a new mystery that we're trying to figure out. But we can look forward to it rather than just respond to it in anxiety. We're talking with Grammy Award-winning songwriter Laura Story. We're talking about her brand new book, So Long Normal, Living and Loving, The Free Fall of Faith. We're also talking about her new single, Hello Unknown. You can find more information at solongnormal.com. Laura, I suspect there are some people listening right now who are saying to themselves, Carmen loves this because, you know, I'm always the person talking about, you know, working in wet cement and expecting the unexpected, anticipating miracles. Like, I'm that person. I'm the person who who wakes up every day anticipating that not only is God going to be present and active, but that I'm going to have opportunities to advance the gospel in some specific direction and in some way. And that may not look like normal to anybody else. There are a lot of people listening right now who are like, that makes me, that whole approach makes me so uncomfortable. (laughs) That's me. That's me. I'm listening to you thinking, yeah, because because it's not wrong to be a type A planner. You know, so I'm an artist, and a lot of people just assume, oh, she's a musician. She must be, like, real fly by the seat of her pants. But the truth is, is I, I very much like a plan. And that was one of the things, you know, during <laughs> pandemic uh, quarantine days, I was so frustrated because I'd, I'd make a plan, A, B, C, D, and E. And, by, you know, by the end of the day, all of them had been undone. It's not wrong that we would plan, and even those of us that are kind of wired that way would use that gifting. 
But what I'm what I begin to realize is I'm trying to gain peace based on my plan mm. rather than appealing to Jesus as the person who gives peace. Oh, that has been a huge lesson for me over the past year and a half. And really, anything I write in a book is not like a truth that I've mastered. It's okay. I'm going to let you guys walk alongside of me while I'm trying to figure this out. We'll just kind of do it together. But that was a big thing for me. Proverbs 31, you know, you hear about this Proverbs 31 woman that just seems like way too good to be true, like threshing her own weeds, sewing her own clothes for her kids, you know. And I, there's nothing that I can relate to. And a lot of, a lot of those things I've just given up on a long time ago. But there's one line in Proverbs 31 that says she laughs at the days to come. And it's not this ignorant giving up on trying to, you know, maintain the chaos, but it's saying, okay, God, the future is unknown. That's just, that's just a given. That's, if there's one thing we do know, it's that we don't know what will happen in the future. But I don't want to be someone who is constantly in angst over the not knowing. I want to be so grounded in my faith that I truly can laugh at the days to come, believing that in Christ, I have everything that I need and believing that his plan for me, though it may be hard, his plan for me is still good. We're talking with Laura Story, and we'll be right back. Continuing our conversation now with Laura Story, we are talking uh, with her about her brand new book, So Long Normal, Living and Loving the Free Fall of Faith. Laura, I'm wondering if maybe um, in the time we have left, we could walk around in the three great comforts and the three gifts that steady Christians in their journey. Oh, yes. And these are three, there's a ton of things that steady us, but there's three things that I have most found to be helpful uh, just to keep in mind day to day. Uh, first of all, God has given us his word as a compass. And I, I use three C's to kind of talk about these three gifts. I'm, I'm not someone that's like down on social media. You know, I, I love social media. It's a good way to stay connected. But sometimes you find that in the midst of chaos, people turning to, whether it's social media or to news outlets, faster than they're turning to God's word. And so these things begin to be our compass. The problem with it is it's just a bunch of events and experiences and emotions rather than the truths of God meant to form our lives. And so first we have God's Word as our compass. We have our community, you know, and I'm always talking about the importance of the local church, the importance of people, not just that you see regularly, but that you're actively investing in their lives and them investing in yours. And so you have God's Word as your compass. You have the church, this community of believers but also we have God's constant presence. And I think mm. we were hearing constantly during, over the past couple of years, this reminder of God's word saying, do not fear, you know, fear not in all these instances. But a lot of times we forget that what usually accompanies that right, right after God or Jesus says, don't fear, he reminds us why we don't have to fear. And he says, do not fear for I am with you. So it's not that we don't fear because we really trust that things are going to be okay or, or that we can almost see things getting back to normal. The reason we don't fear is because God's with us, and there's something about his, his presence, whether it's – you think about Daniel in the lion's den. You think about 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace, where God, for whatever reason, didn't choose to save them from that hard situation. He just chose to be present, and his presence was enough. Yeah, do I want him? Like, I think that's ultimately the question that so much of life comes down to. Um, Do I want something else or someone else or something else, or do I want him? And if I want him, then I've got enough. And I've got yes. more than enough, and I've got the peace that passes all understanding, and I've got a future filled with hope, and I have an eternal security, and I have a moment-by-moment companion, and I have a comforter, and I have a guide, and on and on and on. If, if what I want is God, if what I want is Him, and I have that through Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, then nothing else compares. Like, that's just true truth. Absolutely. And I, I think for me, I see that most clearly in my children. Because I would say, like, what I want my children to be rich in character. I want them to learn endurance. I want them to, you know, be strong in their faith. But so often, I don't want them to have to go through the very things that create that in them. I think about mm. Romans 5, where it talks about, um, you know, rejoice in your sufferings because your suffering is producing endurance and your endurance producing character and your character producing hope. And so it's almost like God's saying, I know that you're wanting character and hope and all these great things that look really nice, like written in calligraphy, like on, you know, <laughs> some, mm-hmm. some distressed wood panel in your home. But when it comes to like how we get these things, it's not necessarily through a Bible study, even though that's helpful. It's not necessarily through a great sermon series, even though that's helpful as well. Paul tells us these are the products of walking through suffering in faith. Am I willing to do that because I want to be like Jesus so much? Am I willing to allow my children to walk through those hard things, believing that that is what God is using to develop their character? All right, you guys need to visit laurastorymusic.com. Right there uh, on the page, you will see a link to So Long Normal. Uh, not not just the song, the book, now by Laura Story. Um, you'll get access to all kinds of other resources, and you have the opportunity to connect with her on all the social media platforms. So, Laura, when you said you've got kids who are 8, 6, 6, and 3, there were at least some people who became curious Are the six-year-olds twins, or is one of them? Okay, because in our family, we have two um, grandbabies that are the same age and are brothers, but one of them came to us through foster care and adoption. And so I'm always curious when people have kids who are the same age, like, how did that happen in your family? Oh, yes, we definitely had twins. So we were going for two kids. We thought, okay, two seems manageable. So we had the eight-year-old girl, and then we were going for the second and had twins. And then we just decided, (laughs) hey— Let's have one more. We'll just even it out. And yet, in life for us, because a lot of people look at us and go, wow, that seems a little crazy. Crazy would be the kind word that they use. (laughs) That seems a little crazy. You know, husband with a disability, mom working, you know, and then these four kids. And the truth is, is we really do thrive. We limp also. And I'm learning that it's okay. You can limp and thrive all at once. It's just something about this unashamed, complete dependence on the Lord. We, we don't hide our need for Jesus. We don't hide our need for help as a family. We're okay with that. And we're finding that God is leading us. Oh, he's, he's been so good to us and blessing us in certain ways, even in the midst 
of mine and my husband's <laughs> deficiencies as parents. But I, I don't even think that's a disability thing. That's just a parent thing. Mm-hmm. That's just because that's reality. Um, all right. Yeah. So one of the one of the things that uh, has always been curious to me about you. So you are a singer and a songwriter. And one of the songs that you have written that people would find immediately recognizable is indescribable, which I know from Chris Tomlin singing. Am I, do I have that pegged in the right place? Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. I so here's my in college. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So here's, so here's my question. What does it feel like for the songwriter when someone else is singing the song and, and then you've become kind of invisible in that? Oh, no, that's like a glorious place to be. Mm. I, I'll tell you, I, because a lot of people ask me that. They said, was it weird that, that Chris took that, you know, because it was his first radio single, and it really kind of lifted him up, you know, in the public eye. And people said, you know, did it make you mad that he took that and, and now he's famous? And first of all, I mean, it really, it's a prayer. I wrote it for the mm-hmm. church. That was just exciting to see people singing it. And as far as Chris, I mean, Chris is such a great guy. Um, what I tell younger worship leaders a lot, and or really just anyone in ministry, is you come before the Lord and you give him your gifts, and then you let him be in charge of the scope of your ministry. Mm-hmm. God is so much better than we are in deciding who gets to play on stages in front of thousands of people and who just leads it on a local church level. And the truth is, is if, if we're kind of counting the numbers or, or kind of measuring that, that's not, that's not really how it works in God's economy. That's more of a secular mindset because I mean, God just calls us to do it, our gifts well. And yeah, so it it was kind of a weird thing uh, that, that God used something that I did to be part of like a a resource of worship songs for the church, but I was I was elated. And I also I, this is another kind of funny thing. I saw Chris probably six months after the song was released, and I had just gotten married. And so my husband and I saw him. He rolls into this thing, and he just looks so tired, and says, <laughs> "Hey, yeah, I've, we've we've been on the road 250 dates this year." And he's this young single guy, loving road life. And I'm thinking, thank you, Jesus, that he's out there singing this song and I can be enjoying like the peace of my first year of marriage with my husband, you know, at our little tiny little house. <laughs> Learning how to I do totally life there. I totally love that. Laura Story, what a blessing. Um, thank you so much for being real. Thank you so much for worship leadership. Thank you so much for pouring your gifts um, or allowing God to pour his gifts through you into our lives. We love the way you sing and the way you lead us to sing. want to invite people to visit laurastorymusic.com. When you go there, you will find the book, So Long Normal. Um, You'll also find uh, contact with the new single, Hello Unknown, and all things Laura Story. Laura, thank you so much for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen. Man, Carmen, thanks so much for having me, and thanks for all that you do. Well, absolutely. We'll be right back. Hey, we have copies of Laura Story's book, 
to give away. Why don't you text the word book right now to 877-933-2484. Text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter the drawing for the copies of Laura Story's book that we have to give away today. So long, normal. Lots of you have uh, already texted in saying you know, how much you've enjoyed the conversation. And during the conversation, I failed to mention that we have books to give away. So we have books to give away. Books to give away. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. Also, check out what we got going on at MyFaithRadio.com. And don't miss Susie Larson's live stream event tonight. We'll see you right back here tomorrow on the next episode of Mornings with Carmen. Have a great day and God bless. Text the word book, 877-933-2484. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.